Hey, Jonathan. Tanya. Do you know what I would do if I was a cat for a day? No, what's that? I'd eat plastic. <laughs> you would think like a cat, too, I guess. This isn't a fantasy of what if I had my mind in a cat's body and the rules of the cat would apply to me. This is also you just being as dumb as a cat, no yeah, offense be to like, cats. Look at that plastic. Looks delicious. <laughs> I've always assumed that they do it because they think it's plant life. And cats do eat plants, too. They're omnivores. I think there's some sort of uh, chemical inside the plastic that just drives them wild more than catnip. Really? I would love to, to know the science behind this, but oh my God, do they love that. I can't put plastic anywhere in this place. No, it gets little holes in it no matter what happens. Or it just gets digested and then pooped out. Uh, and then I think of microplastics in their system and then it going into the ocean and it's like it's like an anxiety pathway all the way, but... Yeah, it uh, reminds me, I might be in a video by Quentin Reviews called The Collapse of Sam and Cat, but it's not about a cat. It's about a woman named Cat who has a babysitting business. It's a nine-hour video, so I think I'm 30 minutes in. It's good. Oh, wow. I might be in it pretending to be Pinocchio. Spoilers for Wow, everyone. interesting. Yeah, but I can't, can't find out. But it's an anxiety watch all the way. He seems anxious, Quentin, as he's making a nine-hour video about this uh, Ariana Grande, I believe her name is, and <laughs> Jennifer McCurdle, McCardle. I don't know anything about these shows he's talking about. But Are microplastics involved? Suddenly, the first episode he talks about is them making blue dog soda, but it's just meth. It's a, it's a Breaking Bad parody <laughs> uh, on this Nickelodeon show. Because meth is blue, I suppose. So that's anxiety all the way through. He's anxious watching himself make this nine hour video i'm anxious if i'm in it because i think it's already got like a million views despite being nine hours long wow. and uh, it's like a cat just drawn to that plastic just wanting to just chew wanting it up to chew, chew it up how are we gonna uh bring this into the new year we're going to say chew up that plastic or are we gonna say <laughs> work on your anxiety <laughs> <laughs> why not both i love it Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Talking to Women About Video Games. I'm joined by Tanya. The 2024 Tanya. And I'm Jonathan. The 2024 Jonathan. And it's 2024. It is New Year's Day while we record this. And wow, so glad that year is over. <laughs> some great things happened. Some terrible things happened and are happening. Moving into this year... This is an election year. It's anxiety year for uh, this country, the United States of America. Thanks for reminding me. I'm already feeling bad about this year. I know it's it's just hours into it. I know, and and I think one of the most feel bad things of this year so far is that Japan just had massive, massive earthquake yeah. on a tsunami warning right now. Yeah, just this morning. It feels to me like 2024 will be a low point year that afterwards we will crawl out of the rubble both emotionally and and hopefully not but potentially literally and survive and and rebuild after that but it's a do or die year 
One of the first things on my mind when I see that it's 2024 is I realize it's the 10-year anniversary of Gamergate, if I'm remembering that right. It's all such a blur. Gamergate being one of the worst things I have experienced online, and I'm lucky to have mostly experienced it online, including having my bank account be hacked or people attempted to hack it online and send a bunch of products to a college somewhere. They were apparently just testing it out to see if they could get the bank to believe that they were me. So yeah, bad year, targeted stuff. I won't get into it too much, but there was people who said, I did this because Gamergate said you were unethical, or I think you're unethical because of what you said about XYZ thing, or because you hugged someone once, or various stuff happened that just shocked me and saddened me and made me feel like the video game world is just a conflict-oriented place, that so many of the people who love video games also love virtual conflict, and that's why Gamergate was such a big deal. Tanya, what do you remember about Gamergate? I um, don't remember Gamergate Great. at all. Yeah. I was not part of that. I was in my master's program at the time. Oh, yeah. So I was focused on my my advanced knowledge. You weren't dabbling in no. online conflict. No, no. But I, I do remember that there was a lot of things like, was there potentially swatting involved and oh and, sure and all of that kind of stuff. I actually have a friend whose son was a victim of swatting and it was extremely traumatic. Mm. Like literally cops with guns drawn showed up at their house. Yeah, the mayor of Boston got swatted recently and she just said, comes with the territory. I, I'm used to it now. She was not happy about it, and she's going to try to prosecute. But yeah, swatting was on the rise at that time. It was a new thing people were doing. This whole capacity to hurt each other without actually showing up physically, people were finding new ways to do that. <laughs> uh, DDoS attacks on websites, they would just shut websites down that said the wrong thing or seemed unethical. The thing about it that I look back on now is uh, Gamergate more than anything was just a lot of noise and it got a lot of attention and it was an ongoing drama. And the way that the drama continued was the victim-victimizer protector triangle, the Cartman drama triangle. Video game journalists and bloggers were painted as victimizers who were tricking their audience into liking video games they wouldn't have liked already just because... Those sons of guns. <laughs> My God, we need to ruin them all. Well, yeah, the, the importance of ethics in video game journalism suddenly got blown blown out of proportion frankly is video game ethics and video game journalism important yes is it more important than wars and death and death threats and destroying people's lives because somebody was biased when they wrote a video game review probably not you can probably just read the review and be like hmm the, the seems biased, or I heard this person was biased. I don't like their reviews anymore. People don't like each other's reviews for all sorts of reasons all the time. And boy, oh boy, is there already a lot of bias just towards certain brands and mascots. The amount of bias in video game journalism as a baseline is so intensely high from the start. It's an enthusiast pursuit. 
people become video game journalists and bloggers because they're so biased towards games and are so excited about games as a medium in the first place that they end up being bananas. It was so bizarre. The whole gamer archetype is people that have certain biases. You know, I'm biased towards Sony brand or Microsoft brand. By nature, by definition, a gamer is someone who has like an irrational passion for video games and bias and irrationality are essentially synonymous. Uh, but then if you're biased in the wrong way, which is really what it boiled down to, you were considered a, a insidious, scheming journalist who secretly just cared about other people, namely video game developers, more than video games. And that was the cardinal sin of the video game journalist, according to Gamergate, is that the game journalist actually cared more about people who made video games than they did about the gamers who just wanted the hot opinions about games or something. I'm, I'm not, even, not even sure. But the irony for me is any good journalist will tell you that they care about people more than they care about their own story and that they care more about uh, making sure that they do right by their sources and do right by their audience, which are people, than they do making sure that their opinions are broadcast and are, that they are famous, essentially. And what's happened with game journalism is we've now seen the rise of YouTubers who only seem to care about making sure that their voices are heard. And there's some very ethical YouTubers like Steph Sterling, but there's a lot of them that are just streaming them playing games and cracking jokes and it's pure entertainment. But that's what it turned out people wanted. They didn't want journalism at all for the most part. They just wanted entertainment. And for me, one of the underpinnings of Gamergate was people saying, don't care about people just care about entertaining me and giving me the opinions that are going to guide my entertainment. It was a very selfish, self-centered, uh, which then, of course, attracted a lot of sexists and racists. And I was on all sorts of lists saying, get this game journalist. He's a terrible person. My two biggest things I did that they didn't like was I was too liberal and... I, what was the other one? Was it just that I was too liberal? <laughs> it might have been. And you like feelings and people's feelings. I said a dead or alive game where a brother just slaps his sister in the face and says, know your place. And he was the hero of the game. He's like one of the good guys. I was like, maybe that'll teach someone somewhere that beating women is okay. I don't know. It's saying uh, something. Yeah. And they said, how dare you? accuse this game of sexism. It's just a game. I'm not influenced by the games I play. There was so much trumpeting of video games are just meaningless drivel that I don't affect me psychologically at all. Therefore, you better be ethical when you cover them. <laughs> because, you know, it was this two-sided argument where on one side they're saying you need to take video game journalism super seriously and be super ethical. And also, video games are unimportant garbage that... I can eat and shovel into my mouth all day without worrying about it having any ill effects on me. I could go on and on. The point is the amount of conflict that continued around Gamergate, and you can see I'm still dramatic and upset about it now. I don't think everyone in Gamergate was a bad person. Far from it. I think a lot of the people involved with that hashtag are great people, but they were 
sucked into a drama where they felt like they were doing something important and helpful by attacking video game journalists. And it was not important or helpful. I don't know any video game journalist who says, now I'm ethical because of Gamergate. They just say, like, I am scared (laughs) that I'm going to get swatted or my bank account hacked and whatnot. But I still do this job because I love it. But it was just a, a dark period where I learned that a lot of my audience may just suddenly hate me because uh, they read bad things about me or, you know, it just made the whole video game enthusiast world feel like a more unhappy, conflict-oriented, potentially dangerous place. So it's surprised that some people stick around. Our first guest on the show, Spectra Wrestles, who is returning... She's a video game essayist on YouTube, but is more into wrestling these days, which is way more conflict-oriented. We talked to her about the differences between wrestling and talking about video games online. Very fun. Back again with Spectra Russell's so excited Definitely. to hear from you. Spectra, how are you? I am great. Thank you, Jonathan. How are you? I'm good. I'm thinking about you wrestling. If people haven't <gasps> seen it, you take bumps, you give bumps. You are, are <laughs> someone who seems like even in the tough times, the joy is sparkling out like magic, hence the name, uh, about what you're doing. You seem to really be able to grab onto it and love it through the highs and the lows of wrestling. I'm glad I uh, conveyed that. That's good. (laughs) Let's put it that way. Let's just leave it there. Yeah, yeah, it is fantastic. I fucking love wrestling. In fact, in exciting news, um, just under a week ago, on the 23rd, which is Mm. four days before now, I uh, (laughs) thoughts, words. Yes, I have words. I had my wrestling debut. I had my wrestling debut, Jonathan, in front of people. And I had a match and I took a massive powerbomb and I did some hurricane runners and it was fucking great. That's so great. That's uh, what's the federation or the the league, the promoter that you were wrestling with? It's House of Pain Wrestling in Nottingham, obviously in the UK. Uh, there's probably other Nottinghams, I'd imagine. But this one, this is this is the one in the England with the Robin Hoods and stuff. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> I'm so glad that uh, England, which was not, from what I know, a hotbed of wrestling uh, 40 there's, years ago. Yeah, there's so much. There's so much. Like even my shitty hometown has like. A, a show like every couple of months or something. It's nuts. I didn't realize how kind of ubiquitous it was until like I started doing it and started seeing all the posters and shit and obviously setting up all the social medias for my wrestling. Mm-hmm. You come in contact with everyone and it's just like every fucking corner of this miserable little island, <laughs> making it a little better for everyone. That's, That's nice. fantastic. I feel like people need a vessel for their conflicts i think they need a place to go preferably in real life but also virtually sometimes where Mm -hmm. they can have a conflict that isn't real for a change a safe place uh not to say wrestling is not real because the 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 hits are are real the risk is real but oftentimes it is set up so 
there is an idea about who's going to win or lose. And the combatants yes. are trying not to hurt each other too much, unlike boxing, where they just like will sometimes murder each other. <laughs> uh, and it's it's a, so for me, it's real without the real. I'll go as far as to say sometimes evil intent uh amongst the combatants you watch ufc you watch boxing those people are like if he dies he dies you know just like in rocky four with wrestling it's like we're all family we are gonna get hurt but we are here to entertain and be athletic and have fun and less about like the undercurrent of real damaging each other which i think is a, a wonderful outfit for people because people are desperate to get their fight or flight out fight or flight is mm in demand right now uh, with video games too i find people bickering more and more right now because everyone's afraid about the wars the elections the economy so yeah. talking about that is awful instead people are like let's talk about the definition of rpg and get really <laughs> mad about it if, if people don't share their opinion about it because it's like a safe it's almost like wrestling it's a fight but it's not a fight where anyone's going to get hurt ideally yeah. um to to kind of banter and sometimes get very snarky and mean but no physical harm being done around arguing about video game stuff mm. i mean firstly rpg stands for rocket propel grenade and secondly you just blew my mind wrestling's fake what I don't yeah, think I, I how about much it was very real. I hope I didn't say fake. Uh <laughs> it is it is I hope the person who power bombed you knew it would hurt but wasn't thinking and she may die and that's okay. Like I hope that they cared about <laughs> you underneath it all. You don't get that with in my opinion with with other competitive yeah fighting let me just sports. let me just message him you know he's a lovely chap but I do I just want to check does he think that I might die? um yes yes he did <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah that's ruined my innocent <laughs> belief that wrestlers were were not murderers necessarily uh, well, no. well it depends you know there's uh definitely been some in the past uh i would advise anyone that wants to find out more about that look up the five six part series behind the bastards did on vince mcmahon oh yeah, yeah. uh-huh yeah. yeah, the people running the wrestling leagues, the federations, the the business side terrify me a lot of the time. Not all of them, of course, mm. uh, but the bigger money ones, especially after they've maintained that level of money making for a long time. Not unlike the video game industry, where the people who have been getting huge amounts of money is off the backs of people struggling just to feel like they're surviving is is yeah. uh, is bad but back to the arguing about video games spectra do you ever get sucked into these arguments about what video games should be defined as or which ones are good or bad or like the direction people got really mad at a muppet recently for saying i think the zelda series is going in a bad direction outraged at this literal muppet on youtube talking about that do you ever get sucked into these things I get sucked into a lot of things, Jonathan, and I oh. wish to be sucked into more, but um, no, no, I don't. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> like my online presence is just, I've completely just almost like logged off just because of the fucking horroring, horrifying shit show that the world is slowly delving into. Mm -hmm. that I've, yeah, I've kind of done the same thing of just kind of almost backing off just to 
you know what I love, and it's not to say I don't love video games, but fuck me, I can't be asked for the arguments. <laughs> Well, why do you think that is? It's okay if you have no idea. I don't mean to put you on the spot. I'm just like to pick your brain because you understand conflict. You understand Mm -hmm. the fun of conflict through wrestling. And people tell me, I love to go on Twitter and just argue. It's fun. It's harmless. But you see them get sucked into it. And it's oftentimes circular arguments. There's studies that show that no one's opinion has ever been changed by somebody arguing with them on twitter people will poke around and try to find new information to form their own arguments they'll look up youtube videos or read long tweet threads or whatever but when you come at someone and say that they're wrong in their mentions you never have an impact on them so people do it without believing that they're actually having an impact on uh, the way people think they must be doing it because they want to change the way people feel. And you're saying that when you go on there and talk about video games, it just feels kind of bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've got my own shit going on. I'm depressed enough without this. <laughs> no, uh, there was a period of my life where I properly wasn't uh, like doing that kind of shit. Mm. And then I started channeling that kind of stuff into making the YouTube video essays, which I haven't been on top of of late. I've got a few written. I just need to do stuff and shit. But mm. yeah, it's just been so fucking much, right? <laughs> <laughs> and not and not in a way that's a release. Uh, my guess is that people no yeah. one gets happy by arguing online. Mm. Absolutely fucking no one. Even mm. people that like convince themselves that the winner. It's like this cynical competitive vindictiveness right Mm, mm -hmm. it's just fueling like uh, this anger and rage towards everyone when what we really need is kind of unity and to recognize the inner humanity of everyone and just kind of like care about fucking everyone and Mm. uh i don't know like i go back and forth as to whether the internet was a mistake but on the other (laughs) hand i do get to make dick jokes to you so (laughs) yeah 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 it is not i hope in its final form of people's understanding of how to use it. I hope people get more refined in understanding how to communicate in a way that's healthy for themselves and others online. And I hope the internet itself just gets better somehow. The Like technically, the net itself get, becomes a better net. But Oh yeah, I mean, we can always hope for this, but the problem is it's just so mired in this stuff. I hate to just always bring things back to my kind of political sphere but this is how brain works once you've been kapotkin pilled or whatever but like it is like capitalism right Mm -hmm. it's got to the stage where people have gone from arguing online about things that they just purely care about to i can make this a fucking brand Mm -hmm. and you know with my wrestling i mean that is to a certain extent, at least, that is what my online presence is. You know, to be able to continue doing the things that I love, I have to become a brand. And other people might see this same kind of way as a way of, like, realising their individuality, of becoming that. And it's just isolating as more and more and more and more and more and more and more. Mm. Just kind of, like, atomized. Yeah. That sucks. Quite That's frankly. true. The the um, amount of brand versus brand conflict online is is hard to even count. People making it their brand to attack other brands. This is essentially what 
the political parties are, it's what the console wars are, it's what various YouTube pundits going at each other do. Mm. It's uh, they no longer show up as a person. They have to show up as an easily digestible icon in order to. Yeah, it's people commodifying themselves. Yeah, that's what it is. And it isn't even about the competition and stuff. That's like a method of commodification of um, like individualizing yourself of standing out from the crowd and saying I'm a bit different etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm. but it is you know that kind of manner of what we're told is success which is you know money influence power which is still kind of ready money uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know it's just that kind of conflict is the easiest way of doing it which is why outrage pundits exist and why they get so much of said money. Yeah, they do. But at the very top of the brand chain, I think, is often people that soothe people. I guess Taylor Swift is hot right now. Do you know, yeah. know much about her? I guess she just seems like a relatable pal that likes everyone and talks about her insecurities and stuff sings about it and people like that i don't I, I i feel like there's a way to get to the top and be positive but i don't i don't know how i'm gonna do that i couldn't advise anyone else to do it but i feel like it's possible uh well like is it i mean <laughs> it doesn't matter like at a certain stage of wealth acquisition you know like success like you might start off like selling pictures of yourself like I do on OnlyFans or whatever but at a certain point your level of success goes to to maintain it or to uh, grow it further mm -hmm. you have to start exploiting people for the labor and shit like that oh sure yeah there's no such thing as an ethical billionaire like the closest way you could ethically become rich probably is like winning the lottery or something and that's still kind of like on a level of exploitation that is a conglomerated kind of scam basically set up to exploit people desperate enough or addicted enough or whatever to pay in for a chance to for you know economic freedom and the secret yeah. in the world is that we can all have this freedom that we so desperately want from wage slavery and whatnot but you kind of need to work together and stop figuring and stuff and then mm -hmm. i don't know maybe have a revolution or two <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a wonderful to dream about i agree that billionaires if they keep their billions they can't be ethical i think it's possible to get really lucky like you said win the lottery or sometimes folks just come upon an idea that ends up making them billions and they don't intentionally exploit people along the way, though, as you say, exploitation along the way almost always happens. But yeah, once like you, the, what... the intention of it doesn't really matter. It's just a simple fact that it will happen mm. under the system that we live in. Yeah, that's right. But once they get the billions, if they just disperse it to people other than themselves and keep themselves under the billions they're better than if they don't i won't go as far as to say that they are then champion people but they are better than the ones that just sit on 
billions right. of dollars in the bank for while people are starving. It's bananas. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, again, this is a problem of the 19th century kind of phenomenon. Philanthropy, right? Mm. I mean, Bill Gates gives shit tons of money out to loads of different causes and stuff. But all of this is kind of in aid of soft power and kind of rehabilitating his image, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not as well versed in the kind of this area <laughs> as other people, but you know, like the farming subsidies and kind of charitable donations, well, quote unquote charitable donations, basically food aid from country to country, right? In the US exports, like I think it's something like 70% of all produced food, agricultural yield, whatever, to Africa, etc. You know, other countries in the imperial periphery. And what that does is crashes the price of those mm. commodities, those necessary for life commodities in these countries so much that people can't earn enough to live by producing them there. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of still this projection of, power is kind of keeping those power dynamics in place of this is an imperial periphery country and we're keeping it poor by giving it shit that it needs it's wild yeah and horrifying yeah this is this is another problem with um and i'll probably get a lot of flat for this universal basic income mm. right at a certain point you have to realize to yourself that this is a soothing of class tensions rather than actually giving us what we fucking deserve this is uh yeah we're still making a quid but here's 50p Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) for people who don't know a quid is a A lot more than 50p it's double it's double 50p it's double two two whole 50p (laughs) coins you put them together you shake them around and then a pound coin just kind of merges out of it oh well like a, a fusion uh, sweet. Yeah, yeah, they do the dance and everything. It's really weird considering they haven't got limbs. <laughs> the Dragon Ball dance you're talking. Yeah. yeah, that's fun. People people may not know. Uh, believe it or not, some people have never even seen Dragon Ball. I've only seen Dragon Ball see a bridged. So <laughs> But it just it seems like everyone in our sphere at least has some awareness of it. But Jesus yeah. talks to people all the time. No, no idea. So capitalism is it's a losing game and it's been interesting and sad for years now it's an old topic but still one i think it's good to bring up now and again Mm. so we don't forget that capitalism as a structure is game-like in that it gives you this win state of richness of of affluence and wealth but it robs from you as you try to get there pretty oh, regularly. Yeah. Uh and how... of our humanity. But yeah, as you're kind of like making a point. And capitalism and... does make a good video game. Like I've been playing I've been replaying Satisfactory, which is just kind of like exploitation of natural resources on an infinite growth kind of scale, the game, right? <laughs> I, I, I don't it. know much about this satisfactory. Can you tell me more about it? Oh, it's like a 3D factorio, only the devs aren't Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't. I don't remember what Factorio is either. I'm all uh, all distance uh, from the this sim of money and building. Is that what it is? Well, there's not really money in it, but it kind of whatever. Um, so you basically just get plunked down on this virgin alien planet and told to just ruin it for its natural <laughs> resources. 
basically. Wow. And you, do, you make ever co more complex kind of factories and automation and you just, yeah. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> yeah. And what's the win state? How do you win? Um, when you've made quote unquote enough things. But again, it's, it's almost like an endless state of it. I mean, Satisfactory is... And Factorio, actually, though, I've never really played Factorio that much. You know, there's like an end stage of in Factorio, I think you launch a rocket and in Satisfactory, you, there's like stages of stuff that you send up a space elevator. And once you've reached the last stage and you've filled all that up and the entire map is nothing but this concrete and steel plane. <laughs> wow. And yeah, you've won. You've destroyed <laughs> a planet. <laughs> Wow, interesting. Uh, so the people making it seemed like they knew they were allowing you to play the villain in a way, but never telling you you're the villain. Sounds yeah, and I, I kind of wonder as well, like how much of that is like recognized by the developers. I mean, surely someone on the team, at least like one person on the team, has got to realize, yeah, we're fucking destroying this planet. Yeah, I, I was. I'm thoroughly expecting one of the updates to Satisfactory because it's still in early access after all these years, right? Hmm. I'm thoroughly expecting one of the updates to have like a full-on climate change um, aspect to it because you are stripping this planet bare and burning no end of like fossil fuels and shit. Wow. <laughs> and, yeah. But it's not clear that they know that they're saying that's bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's the thing. That makes it even more honest in a way. Uh, I think that whenever people try to say something good or try to say, be good with a video game, people wonder, is that part of your branding and marketing? You're just trying mm. to seem good. But th this seems like a truly honest expression of evil in a way. Yeah. I mean, I think Satisfactory definitely has some awareness of it. Like when you take damage in the game, it will flash up, say, warning damage to fix it property mm. mm -hmm. as in like you are the property ah <laughs> wow yeah yeah uh, there's other bits like that as well but yeah it's there's definitely some awareness going on as like the implicit messaging i'd prefer it to be a bit more in your face yeah you, you've dragging. said that before i think you were talking to me i think about a space witches game oh a little while ago. oh yeah chorus that was that was our first um conversation yeah with the with the aliens and stuff not the aliens fucking brain there, it was there must space. have been aliens too i think uh there were kind of like there were like ghosts <laughs> also like aliens it's it's weird i still enjoyed that game even though it did have kind of implicit fascistic messaging that even though you um, <laughs> yeah whatever i don't remember it that well yeah it's so hard to win in this world of ours. And when your standards are high, your standards, in my opinion, for this may surprise you to hear because you will do things that others would say, well, I'm not sure if that's the way people should be, which is what I think morality and ethics means. Uh, you you will talk to me about sex and, and having sex. And you'll, you'll yeah. treat me like a sex object every once in a while as a goof. That's because you like it jonathan i, can tell. <laughs> I, I do, don't you're know you're such a naughty boy jonathan <laughs> i didn't 
think I'm 47. I, it's not <laughs> the, absurdity, the absurdity of me being a uh, like a, a, a sex minx is sex never, minx. <laughs> never, never uh, wears wears me down oh. to be well. Kitten. Oh, darling. <laughs> I'm bald. My darling little sex mate. <laughs> I'm, a big, I'm a big husky middle-aged man. So that's okay. I've got enough like shed dog fur and cat fur. I'll just come over, coat you in glue, just kind of chuckle this at you. It'd be great. It's uh, been suggested. It will, will be suggested again, I'm sure. So you, <laughs> oh, through it all, you are a bastion of moral and ethical standards. You want things to Am be... I? Yeah, you care about things being good. You believe if people decided to be good to each other and to treat each other empathetically and as though we are all one being, one organism that needs to care for the rest of the organism instead of treating each other as competing cells. You know, you just imagine the cells in the human body fighting with each other the way human beings fight with each other. The, the person would die pretty quick and we're headed towards death as a <laughs> race uh it is kind species. of an inevitability yeah oh yeah it feels that way more and more every day the the amount of infighting the lack of love for each other just seems to get worse and worse every day and the more people get traumatized oftentimes the less they seem capable of caring about people because they're in such fight or flight and i feel compassion for them but i also feel like we need to figure out how to help them feel human again because if not yeah we're definitely. in trouble so so yeah it, your your standards are high and i hope people begin to meet them i think we're almost out of time for recording already uh is there more you wanted to talk about we talked about video games in a way <laughs> if there's more you wanted to talk about in terms of games on your mind games you're thinking we certainly have i would make time for that but uh if not i guess we would work towards closing up I will say thank you for uh, basically seeing me that way. I mean, I don't. I mean, I'm going back into the philosophy here rather than straying further away from the video games. But like, I do earnestly believe that everyone has that kind of drive of care. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a fucking society to start with. Right. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's a level to which we almost like have to compromise ourselves and our ideals to survive as well, just because of the nature of the society we have built it's kind of catch 22 that's the term right but yeah um, i don't see myself quite as highly as you're putting down if i'm honest because i'm still having to i feel like i could be doing and should be doing more to help everyone and oh no this has got quite solipsistic um <laughs> you no no yeah yeah i appreciate your response to a compliment it sounds like you don't get as often as I think you should. And I stand by it and I double down on it because people with high standards always think they should be trying to do better and do more. People with low standards say, you're lucky I did anything at all. So you proved my point and I appreciate it. I fully endorse Aww. everything you're doing and I'm excited to promote you more. I haven't seen your tweets Lately, you still oh, tweeting, uh, or did you move over to Blue Sky? I did move over to Blue Sky, but I don't use that either because I forget it exists. <laughs> Same with Twitter, honestly. Like, I mean, fuck Twitter, right? I mean, the first time I've been on it in months was to organize this. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, I, I am still there, and I will. 
tweet your tweets as best Aww. I can if and when the, the tweets come. And I'm mainly on I'm mainly on um Instagram, I guess, these oh, days. I should and, get well, on there, huh? TikTok and stuff. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I post my shorts. I did start posting my shorts on Twitter, like my wrestling shorts and stuff. And then I forgot it existed because I've got fucking ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's hard to do it all and it's hard to try to do the things that don't feel as real and you're taking real power bombs so i can understand why twitter gets lost yeah. in the shovel uh <laughs> in the shuffle it, yeah it definitely got cte already <laughs> <laughs> well I, I hope your brain does wonderful and your your body as well oh, showing thanks. showing your body off on only fans making some cash i've been on a diet as well like um it's looking good. It is looking good, Jonathan. So I, I'd like for you to experience it one of these days, if I'm honest. But yeah, I think you should experience Steph first. Maybe both of us. Who knows? Whoa. Are you have a bottle of wine and sort something out. I'll fall asleep after two sips. I'm such a lightweight. I'm so sleepy. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Then we'll just kind of like cuddle you and like draw things on your face. I will not say no or yes. I'm going to hold out on thinking about that one. And thank you, as always, for being on the show. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. yeah. Spectra, 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 Spectra. Is a wrestler. Always amazing to talk with Spectra. Please check out her wrestling. She's wrestling hard. And I think, I don't know enough about her wrestling persona. I watch her clips wrestling, but I think she's more of a face than a heel, which brings us back to the victim victimizer protector triangle, which I didn't explain fully earlier in the show. That's when you're in fight or flight and you see the world in absolute roles of victimizers victims and protectors and whenever people get sucked into seeing things not so much in black and white because it's not two different roles it's three it's like yellow is the victim blue is the protector red would be the victimizer you see things just through the lens of those primary colors you can get sucked into serious drama and seeing things in those absolutes and absolutely for instance wanting to protect the victim from the victimizer. That's what most of us want to do when we want to feel like a good person. I'll pause you for a oh, second. Please do. I think in the sense of um, for understanding, if you've ever been involved with a narcissist, you'll see them go th cycle through the whole triangle. Oh, yeah. They will be, you know, and everybody has been involved with a narcissist at one point, a family member, a significant other, a, a boss, a, boss, a uh -huh. co-worker. So you'll see them go through the Cartman drama triangle and gaslight you by being like, I'm going to victimize you. And then, oh, no, no, I'm the victim. Well, I'm going to protect you from those who would victimize you. And this is like a narcissist, like a Bouncing cycle. around those yeah. roles. It yeah. keeps you engaged. It keeps you feeling stuff. And it keeps, it keeps you, you afraid. Keeps you. Yep. Sometimes feeling good about yourself suddenly. Because, all, because you're like, oh, I'm the victim. You must be the person that's helping me or yeah so yeah. anyways i like to throw that in there because so many of us have to navigate through life with a narcissist luckily i have circumvented that in my recent years so. yeah you have less narcissists in your life i that's think right. i hope so wait a minute why are you looking at me like that <laughs> i do talk an awful lot but i try not to be narcissistic we all have our moments do we though 
all have our narcissistic moments? Oh, yeah. Narcissism is uh, a natural way of reflecting and prioritizing yourself because people need to prioritize themselves and think about themselves to a degree. I've only thought of myself as the victim. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, back to the show. Back to the show. So wrestling uses the same thing. The heel face paradigm is just the victim, victimizer, protector paradigm. For those who don't know, the heel is the victimizer. The face is the protector slash victim that you're rooting for, that you're worried is going to get beat up. Uh, But it's a way to keep people engaged in the storyline is to have people switch suddenly from, I was a heel, but now I'm a face. That tension when you flip is really where people get most excited, I think. And similarly, when you play a fighting game, Usually there's characters who could be considered a heel, could be considered a face. But what I love about fighting games is it doesn't use the storyline a lot of the time to engage with drama. It's real drama between two equals. When you play a fighting game, you both get to choose which character you're going to play as. And you both have the opportunity to fight with full health and start off from a place of equality. And one of the wonderful things about that is it can bring in people from all walks of life to be able to feel like we're all starting from the same place. How often in life do you compete against somebody else but feel like, well, you know, this is totally fair. I'm just as rich as them. I'm starting from uh, the same place from them socioeconomically in terms of physical health, in terms of age, in terms of all that stuff. How often does that happen? There's almost always reasons why people have advantages when you're competing in real life. But with video games, it can not completely, but almost completely level the playing field. Sure, someone else may have practiced more than you, but even then, man, I have beat the crap out of people in fighting games that had way more practice than me because I came at them with moves that were so dumb that they never would have thought a person would do them. Like, why is he doing that? He won't do that. And I'm like, I'm, I'm just dumb enough to do it. And then I win. There you go. Yeah, I beat Adam Hart, who designed Dive Kick in Tatsunoko versus Capcom. I think it's on video somewhere, me, be, me beating him. He, he was mortified. <laughs> and he's way better than me at the game. I just got lucky. I'm sure at best five out of seven, he would have beat me five of the times. But I beat him once. Uh, we have a new guest on the show. Jacqueline, who is the Doom Kitten, the Fatal Cutie, and she's going to she's wearing a hat in the video version of this you can watch on YouTube, that's going to talk to us about her love of fighting games and why it's been a place for her to l- live, laugh, and love. Oh, live, <laughs> love, and laugh. I'm here with Jacqueline, the fatal cutie, Doom Kitten. Look at her. There she is, joining us for the first time. Jacqueline, you reached out to me via email and said, I would like to be on your show, which always warms my heart when that happens. Uh, I'm curious, what what made you want to be on the show today? Well, there's a couple of things. Um, one is that uh, there's a lot of people that I respect who have been on on your show before like i i was just uh catching up um 
um, watching the video interview with Casey Explosion, for example, um, you know, and I've, I've been like a fan of hers for a long time, you know, her Steam recommendations, her streaming, all of that stuff. Um, and the other thing was just like uh, somebody posted like a recent episode of the podcast on Blue Sky and um, I listened to that and I was just like, you know what, this is really cool. Like, I, I love this and I, I wonder if there's some way I could be involved in, in it. And um, one of the people there just said to email you. So I was like, awesome, I'll try that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So you have heard a little bit of the show, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't sound like you've been deep in the show for a while, which is so exciting for me to know that new people are listening. But you have been deeply involved in video games for a while, it sounds mm -hmm. like. And you're streaming under the name Doom Kitten. Doom Kitten? <laughs> is that right? Yeah, Doom Kitten. That's fun. Uh, when did you first um, start playing these video games? And, and where are you at with them now? How have things changed for you? Oh, wow. So I like fighting games in particular. I started getting into um, when I was a kid, you know, like um, in the 90s, like uh, playing them like on Super Nintendo and in the arcade and stuff like that. Um, Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo was the the one that I remember the most from from back then that I was really into. Um, I've definitely been like more and less involved in the community um, here and there, like, you know, it wasn't until probably like the 2000s that I started actually getting like very involved because it was mostly just playing shit in like arcades sure. um, back then. But like around when Street Fighter 4 came out or a little bit after that was when I started like getting fairly seriously involved in the community and like making more friends like on the basis of fighting games and everything like that. Um, and then, you know, some years later, I you know, was was like trying to get like good at some new games. And I was watching um, some YouTube videos from various um, like Twitch streamers uh, who who do fighting games. And I was like, you know what? Um, this is awesome and I want to do this. So I've been, um, you know, going pretty hard at that sense. Um, and like, it's definitely interesting the ways that um, th that community has has changed over the years um, mm. and everything. Like one thing that I remember, like when I was first getting involved is that it was kind of like a lot like what, you know, some of the, the worst reputations of various gaming communities are like, like, you know, I, I had a lot of fun and I, I enjoyed it and stuff. But, you know, there was a lot of like a lot of like misogyny and homophobia and transphobia and stuff like that in the community back then. And that's one thing that I'm really happy to see changing. Um, nowadays, you know, it's it's a thing that actually like got me sort of less in love with with not the games, but with the community for a while, because I was just like, man, this is a lot to deal with. But mm -hmm. um, we've got uh, like like pros and champions like Umi Show and like Sonic Fox and um, oh, and Ricky Ortiz. She's oh, sure. um, she's actually she's been one of my favorites since since the Street Fighter four days, if not earlier. But and and they're all pretty well accepted. Like, I mean, there's obviously always going to be some jerks, but it's really cool to see how people who aren't just like the that one demographic have been becoming more involved and like getting more acceptance. And just I think that it's really made a positive difference in the community um, in a lot of ways. And I'm much happier to be a part of it now than I was back then. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. 
I am not an expert on online competitive game communities. I'm the least competitive person I know, which is saying a lot because I know a lot of uncompetitive people, but I have zero interest in being better at anyone than anything, which leads to me being bad at a lot of things, including some fighting games. I used to play a lot of Alpha 3. I used to play a fair amount of Super Turbo, mostly because I just wanted to be able to beat Akuma. So I love competing against the uh, computer, but just even getting to Akuma is, is so, so hard. Uh, I don't yeah. think I've ever done it without cheats. So just giving you my perspective briefly on my interactions with the fighting game community and my lack of connection to it, though I love fighting games as an idea and I love playing them non-competitively just to explore the systems. My experience with the fighting game community has largely been bad because I once wrote something saying tears are not facts. They're just like theories uh, about who could beat someone else character-wise more often, but it's not like top tier is set in stone and talked about how in the Japanese Third Strike, Street Fighter Third Strike scene, uh, Hugo is like often a winning character, but the way that uh, players outside of Japan in their communities, and this is before this game was even online, they don't play with Hugo the same way because they don't learn the same techniques from their peers. So Hugo players just on the whole were less likely to win tournaments. So that's to say that Hugo isn't better or worse it's just a lot of unexplored territory with that game in particular. Mm -hmm. Hatred, the hate that came at, at oh me, God. Jackie. The, uh, there's a, a Twitter page, it's probably other places, a Twitter handle called Scrub Quotes. And mm -hmm. they changed their face to my face after I wrote that because they were like, this scrub knows nothing of our world. How dare he have opinions about those video games? And am I the smartest Jeez. person when it comes to fighting games? Absolutely not. Are only the quote smartest opinions worthwhile? I don't think so. I think it's great to get all sorts of opinions out there. And it would be one thing if I was paid a million dollars to write that article. But I think I was not. I think I was paid <laughs> much less. I wrote it mostly for fun, not because... I was going to cash in and become the next big name person in the fighting game scene, which clearly wasn't going to happen anyway. So the competitiveness of the fighting game community, even about your opinions, has pushed me away from getting more involved with it, despite the fact that I know Adam Hart, who made Dive Kick and worked on Killer Instinct later. I know various other folks in the community. Uh, Matt McMuscles and I have always gotten along really well. He got started with two uh, friends play, best friends play, uh, talking a lot about Street Fighter and digging into the history of the character designs of that series. I like a lot of fighting game people, but the community as a whole, last time I checked, felt like it was people who are going to be mean. What has your experience been lately with the community? Have you dealt with that competitiveness too? Or yeah, a bit, definitely. Like, yeah? um, my experience of that is largely that it has gotten better, but that's still a big thing. Like, um, it's it's funny though, because one thing that I've noticed, and I'm I'm not like I'm not a fighting game pro. There's a reason why I'm not like um, you know like winning big prizes at Evo and why I'm streaming instead. Like I'm, I'm okay at fighting games at best. Um, mm -hmm. But like, uh, 
you know, definitely there there is still like a lot of that. It's funny to me though, because the people that are the meanest are usually the worst players. Not always, <laughs> uh-huh. but usually like when when I'm playing games on stream, for example, and stuff, the people that like absolutely kick my ass, those are not the people that are like yelling at me or or being um hateful or something like that. It's the people that I just like, you know crush effortlessly and again like i'm not a pro by any means so the people that i crush effortlessly tend to be the ones who send me like the messages full of slurs and like Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. getting all complainy about it and it's just and i've noticed that a little bit like in in person like i haven't played an in-person tournament in a long time but i used to around here more um i kind of fell off because of the pandemic and that but um you know it it was always the same thing like the you know most of the time not always but you don't tend to see the champions complaining so much like Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. you know some people just can't resist like you know hating on things and 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 like you know it's it's definitely not a hard and fast rule but that is a thing that i've noticed but they're definitely there and and i think like some amount of those folks uh, are always gonna be there um which kind of sucks but isn't a deal breaker for me, but it definitely like, I would understand it being a deal breaker for other people. I, and for me also, like, because I've been involved in that stuff for a long time, it's just like it seeing how much less toxicity there is now than there used to be has mm-hmm. kind of like, well, it's, it's helped me want to stick around on the plus side, but on the downside, it's probably colored my opinion a little bit. And like, you know, I'm just like, Oh, everything's great. Everybody's all like, you know, um, wonderful to deal with, but there's always there's always those kind of people there and 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 they can they can definitely be a lot you made Um, a face and a full body gesture that looked like you were walking through smelly mud like a bad this the swamp of sorrow or the stench there's labyrinth. I don't know if you've seen it. So you're probably yes. too young for it. Oh, you remember labyrinth? <laughs> the bog of eternal stench. Yeah. The bog of eternal stench, and then a movie that's similar to me, Neverending Story, had that swamp where you just sink and die. Right. And sometimes that's how it feels to be online in general. I think a smelly, oh, yeah, for sure. sad Absolutely. swamp. But it sounds like you've found friendship in the community as well, and quick aside about me. I've talked about this on the show, I think, before, but I don't know if you knew. I made my first video game pen pal because of Street Fighter. I wrote to a magazine called Game Fan when I was 17 or 18 and said, looking for pen pals. And someone else was like, oh, cool. Uh, a young woman named Jen Sang, who later has worked in in games and is a, an artist who draws a lot of uh, sexy artwork now uh, and makes a good amount of money with her, her sexy stuff. Uh, we became pen pals and traded drawings back and forth for a long time. What we shared in common was our love of the art and the character design and like getting into the characters. And that's something I've seen change with the fighting game community in the past few years as well, maybe in parallel with the community itself being less mean is people just falling in love with the concept of like Bridget and Guilty Gear or falling in love with Jury and they don't even care about playing well as Jury, mm-hmm. but they love the idea of Jury as a character. The characters themselves have returned to being bigger draws than necessarily playing the game well or not, whereas 
in the Street Fighter 4 era, I would say, and certainly a lot before that, it was a lot of people playing just to win tournaments and destroy each other. But now fighting games is a phenomenon, it's an entertainment phenomenon, watching Evo online and whatnot. People are in love with both the characters in the game and the people who play the games. And you you mentioned uh, Jackie, Jackie Ortiz? Uh, Ricky Ortiz. Ricky Ortiz. You're Jackie. I mixed yes. you up with Ricky right away. Uh, Ricky, uh, I don't know Ricky personally, but watching their story unfold uh, was was a beautiful thing to to come out as trans and to continue to be accepted and just be super cute and happy and winning at video games was, for me, like a cultural success story in gaming, which you don't always see. So... Uh, those are my kind of overview thoughts on that. When it comes to you, did you get into it because you wanted to win or did you get into it because you love the art of the games or the characters or all of the above? Was it just a place to go where you could be a nerd for, for me? I'll go into the arcades in the old days was like, that was the only place I didn't get made fun of for liking video games when I was a teenager. So there was just a, a sense of camaraderie and acceptance for you. What do you think it's been? And how has it evolved for you over time? Why, why you're sticking with it now? Okay. That's, kind of all of the above <laughs> um like i guess you know the the wanting to to like get good and and you know beat people and be competitive and all of that is is what's motivated me to try and get better at it but it's not my, the main draw for me mm. um with, with what you were saying though about the characters and the art and it being like a cultural phenomenon and stuff that really resonates with me i actually have a little story about that and it has to do with this hat oh yeah <laughs> also like you know um it it ties in a little bit with uh with ricky ortiz and, and her like transitioning while being like public in the fighting game community and stuff like that um you know those those were both the story i'm about to tell you and and that situation with with her and and you know seeing the acceptance that she's gotten from most people and and like how big of a force that was is kind of what what got me like to become as passionate about fighting games as i am now hmm. and so so the hat um terry bogard has the the fatal fury hat that that you know and, and so this this hat was actually a pack-in um, with the deluxe edition of SNK Heroines um, right. for the Nintendo Switch. Um, that you know, so like that game got announced right around when I started transitioning, um, and like you know, I'd already been been a fan of Terry like as a character before, but Terry gets turned into a girl by this weird wizard guy. I forget his name. He's he's like a character in, in that series too, but he doesn't really play much of a part in that particular game other than being the like overarching villain. But anyway, so like, you know, it's it's all it's of course all just like um, you know, plot justification for uh why all of the characters are women, even though like some of them were originally not or whatever, but the whole like you know, so so there's the like Terry gets transformed and becomes cutie Terry and she has this hat in the game. And when I saw that, like as a pack in with that, I was just like, oh, this is this is so goddamn cool. I have to get this. Mm -hmm. And the game didn't turn out to be that great, but it's still fun. 
and it has some of the most like beautiful art and character designs that I've seen. Like, so I got, I got that. And, you know, just like, as soon as it, it, it showed up, I like dove into it and I was just like appreciating like all of the, the character designs and the alternate costumes and stuff. Cause there's some really great ones in there. Like one of Terry's is like this, like Victorian, like steampunk noblewoman kind of outfit. Um, cool. <laughs> if I'm remembering correctly. And and like just yeah, it was it was really beautiful to see. And it came at a time in my life that I really needed something like that um, to and and. I had so much fun with that game and with that experience and all of that, that I, you know, as as soon as I like kind of ran out of um, stuff to do with that one, I started picking up more of them left and right. And just like, you know, that was sort of what got me like back into it a little bit and like to develop that kind of passion for it so um so you know the character designs and and the stories and the art and all of that stuff is super important to me and that's like you know it, it's it's kind of nice to feel like to feel like seen and included in in that kind of stuff and like having characters that have like you know a, a backstory similar to mine or an experience similar to mine in 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 game or 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 they look sort of like me or something like that, you know, um, it's just something that like, I didn't even know that that was possible mm. in, in that genre before. And so that whole thing just like really, you know, got me to do a deep dive on it. And and I've been pretty damn serious about fighting games since then. Like that's, that's kind of what eventually led to, you know, me doing all the, the streaming and, and all of that stuff and trying to get more like, involved in the the community writ large and everything mm -hmm. so interesting some were just like well people love terry people love sexy cartoon ladies why not have both and it was very much an opportunity to just be like i get two things i like fighting games yeah. and sexy ladies at once other folks such as yourself were feeling seen by that choice and it wasn't just what if i was looking at a sexy lady but like what if i am a sexy lady what a, and now i'm gonna wear the sexy lady hat the, the <laughs> fatal the beauty uh fatal cutie hat so it can work on multiple levels and what they intended with that game snk heroines i don't know but i love that what they got was representation for people oh hell yeah with, with bridget it and bridget and guilty gear it seems much more clear that the intention mm -hmm. is representation and that's something i've absolutely loved to see in the fighting game world I, again i don't know if it's true in the community whether representation and inclusivity has been a big part of things but in terms of just the rosters of games i just bought the new street fighter 6 comic about a black ninja girl uh, who does graffiti, Kimberly, one of the Street Fighter VI uh, main characters. That comic probably wouldn't have existed years ago. When I was growing up with Street Fighter, when there was a Black character, it was either like uh, Balrog, who is M. Bison, just like a parody of Mike Tyson, mm -hmm. or a lot of like Angloifying of them. There was Dudley in Street Fighter Three. But they were like, like literally anglophone, like he's British, and I loved the character. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, like they gave him straight hair, and his nose looks like if you took the skin color off and changed it to pink, 
you would just be like, oh, that's like Eagle. That's just like a generic British guy. But he they just look like Charles Atlas almost. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like that's generic right. buff man. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, uh, Elena, who I love from Street Fighter 3, mm-hmm. did the thing where it's like, well, we love black characters, but let's not make them like black people you know in real life. So let's give them white hair and blue eyes. They've been doing it since Storm and the X-Men. It always puzzled me. Like, why can't you just make a black character that looks like like me and my family? Uh, now they're doing it. Kimberly, when I see her, I'm like, that's my family. It's so amazing to see that for a change. And like headlining comics. So racially, things have gotten a lot better in terms of diversity and inclusion. And in terms of sex and gender, I think like half the Street Fighter 6 cast is is women. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I don't know of there to be a trans Street Fighter 6 character yet but if there there should be is poison and there's a lot of controversy around poison which i'm sure you know a lot more than me but i always like to hold poison up as some form of representation yeah because poison like you know it sort of like is trans representation for originally bad reasons mm-hmm. but has kind of like mutated into a much more positive thing i feel like and and yeah it was kind of the you know, especially with when that character was introduced, it definitely kind of felt like a, well, you know, you just take what you can get at mm. that point in time. Like, yeah. you know, you were saying with the inclusion of like black characters and a lot of them being like, you know, like playing it safe in that same kind of way. Um, you know, it, it it seems like with a lot of characters that, you know, sort of differ from the like the stereotypical like fighting game character and player from back then you know it it was just like you know for me at least it definitely felt like i just you know take what i could get as far as representation but it is nice to see that stuff being like genuine and more positive nowadays and um i i played poison a lot in in street fighter 4 um even though like so i wasn't like out at the time yet or anything but it was still just like you know like I knew that backstory about the character and I was like, I feel sort of a sense of kinship with this character for reasons that I can't yet explain. And mm. so like, there is definitely that. And, but, it, and it's so cool, like seeing stuff um, like, you know, what you were talking about with Kimberly and then like with, with, uh, with Guilty Gear, with Bridget and like Strive, especially where like the developer was like, she's trans. And if you try to deny that at this point, you're an idiot. <laughs> Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, just like straight out and said it like, no, this is the intention all along, but you guys keep missing the point. So, you know, like <laughs> we're going to make it explicit in the game. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know, with that kind of thing, it's just like, yeah, it's it's been it's been really cool to see that. And I think that, um, you know, that that some of the developers of those games are really realizing that there is a lot more of a diverse community um that's that's involved in that kind of stuff um than previous and like yeah there is actually like a demand for for a diverse cast and and it is something that you know not only is like a positive thing but you know they can actually make money doing that so Mm -hmm. like i've definitely seen that shift too and i'm and i'm psyched that that's a thing that's commercially viable now because because of that um you know increased like diversity in the community and and just like in the game purchasing public at large it certainly made made me and many of my like friends a lot more comfortable with like being openly involved in that kind of thing 
Um, and, and so that's, yeah, that's been a huge positive, I think. So well put. My cat oh, has you. been, oh, anytime. My, if you've wondered what my arm is doing, this is my cat Dinka. She's asking Aww, for baby. a lot of affection. She, uh, she played Albert Whiskers once in a video where I played Birdie from Street Fighter. Oh, she's purring Aww. so hard right now. She's having a, a great time, but you gotta let me finish the podcast. My, kinda... my cat is sitting on his little perch in in the window right over there right now um his name is fibes he's all black and very fluffy and he's kind of the the inspiration for the name doom kitten that i came up with oh. like you know he's he's this little guy but he also looks like you know this portal to the void <laughs> like a furious <laughs> little rain cloud or something isn't it fun how compared to how things were when we were younger and you know ryu karate guy army guy with hair but a very american hair for guile uh now people love having characters with nuance and mixtures of extremes people love doom kittens now people love a scary threatening portal to the void that's adorable it's so <laughs> much more fun to be able to not see things as just one thing, but how right. we all contain multitudes and extreme multitudes a lot of the time. So uh, we're almost out of time, uh, as we often are a lot of the time on this show. And I get up and running. Jacqueline, it's so fun to talk to you. Is there anything we missed? Anything you wanted to shout out and let people know before we go? We'll certainly put links to your Twitch, which is Doom Kitten, uh, right. and other ways to find you online as you see fit. But before we go, is there anything more you wanted to talk about? Yeah, there's actually there's one little thing I would like to to give um, a quick shout out to uh, Nicotine, uh, Veronica Ripley, and, um, and uh, Transmission Gaming, the Twitch team that she created. I I recently joined um, that team uh, just like a week ago, actually. I think it was and and. Nicotine has been doing so much to like, um, you know, improve the the experience of like trans streamers and gamers. And she's, um, you know, she's just a wonderful person also. And so like, I wanted to mention like what she's doing in that space and, um, and like that she's, she's like kind of really helped to create like a home and a community for a lot of us and, and like, yeah, that's just I, I wanted to kind of put a little spotlight on her work um, there because she's also like a huge inspiration to me and, and has like, you know, already, you know, helped me get so many like opportunities and things like that. That's awesome. I may be naive, but I love to think that though folks, trans folks will almost always still end up feeling like a minority. Maybe that's not the case, but in the near future, it feels like that's realistic. But I hope that it changes so it's not a minority in the sense that you feel like you don't have a chance of mainstream acceptance and success. What I'm seeing more and more is other trans folks supporting each other, coming out and saying, Sure, we're a minority, but there's still millions of us. And if we right. stick together and love each other and care about each other and support each other, and I could, uh, I wish we had more time. When I was first involved with games, I ended up covering games by trans artists a good amount. 
And one of the first things they always told me is like, you'd think that we stick together, but like the people who are most competitive and out to get me are other trans folks. Uh, sure, I deal with transphobia all the time from your average jerk, but then I go to my own community and I hope for support and then I end up getting a lot of uh, conflict and a lot of trouble. I'm so happy to hear. I haven't heard that though for 15 years. I feel okay. like for whatever reason, from my stance uh, outside of that community, though I talk to people in that community just about every day, it seems like that at least has gotten a lot better. And I hope that just leads to us being able to have the next PewDiePie be a trans woman. Wouldn't that be nice if instead of, I complain about PewDiePie on the show a lot. He probably doesn't even deserve it. I don't have, I ever watched one of his whole videos. I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> I can't even remember, but I would love for the mainstream successful streamer and no offense, handsome white men. Cause I love you too, but there's enough of you just making all of the millions. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's enough of that. I, I want diversity of thought, diversity of experience, diversity of of everything to be something that's viable. I don't want people to feel like, because I'm not PewDiePie, I can't be the next big streamer. And I want the oh, next yeah. big streamer to be you, Jackie. Oh, thank you. Getting the fatal cutie. I want it to be you. Uh, let's, let's, fingers crossed that I, I if you, you even get one new Twitch follower out of this show, I'll feel like I at least did my part in helping make uh, your life better and the world a better place. So let's hope so. Thank you. Well, and I hope like, you know, um, I hope that I can uh, share the, the podcast with more people too, because like, you know, from what I've seen so far, it's an immensely positive thing. And you've gotten like a lot of, a lot of people's opinions and, and experiences out there who wouldn't necessarily have that opportunity otherwise. So, Thank so the you. feeling's mutual. <laughs> That means a lot, Jackie. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. She played fighting games and she streamed them a lot. She could beat up all opponents that she fought. Oh, Doom Kitten. D-O-O-M Kitten. D-O-O-M Kitten. So wonderful to talk with Jacqueline. And right around the time we talked, I found out that Tekken 8 and the Tekken community is something I'm not familiar with. I know a lot of people who love the Tekken storyline, but a lot of Tekken players I've known have been really mean people, frankly. So I've always had Tekken sort of give me a, a feeling of brutalness all around. Tekken 8 has a new incredible colorblind mode where all the characters become shapes like stripes and dots and whatnot. It looks really cool. It's just a fun look. I would play with colorblind mode on just to look at it. It turns everything into abstract art, basically, black and white abstract art. And it's apparently really effective for people who have trouble seeing what different shapes and objects are because they can't differentiate between different colors. So really, really cool to see Tekken be inclusive in this way. And I'm now worried all of a sudden that someone will be mad at the makers of Tekken for caring about colorblind people by making this mode instead of using those resources to make something else just for them or something. The selfishness of some people and how confident they feel in expressing it online is something that I now have come to always expect to see more of. But I'm going to try to be optimistic going into 2024 
and feel like things are going to be good. Tanya, you've got a lot to feel this year. I sure do. (laughs) We have a baby in the apartment, and there's cooing and and spewing, maybe, going on in the background. I hope he's not spewing. Yeah, probably not. I hear him going, ow! Yeah, little baby Charlie, who was the impetus for a short break the show had in 2023. Yeah, it's funny. Jonathan and I said, we might just end the show. Yeah. We might take three months off, four months off. And then we said, you know what? Two weeks. <laughs> Two weeks and we'll do a, a, a short interlude episode or something. Yeah, I think yeah. there was we, a We didn't last of... very long. No, we, in that. we and, love doing the show. And I think, you know, thanks for sticking with us through it because, gosh, we've been tired an awful lot. I oh, mean, yeah. I can say that I've been tired. I'm you've had tired. a lot going on. Oh, yeah. Getting laid off and jobbies and everything that you're up to. A jobby is a job hobby. And that's what I'm, I'm left with, folks. Yeah, I think the term was coined by Reagan Burns, who's a creator of N++. Uh, I could talk all day to you, listener, about this stuff. In the meantime, I'm just going to quickly plug things. So that baby's getting louder. I don't know if you can hear him going, Hey! Hey! He's like, <laughs> What are you doing, Mom? I'm important. Look at me. Oh, he's like, I'll wrap up quickly. New Nintendo Force princess themed is coming out soon. Already started working on it. Ooh, got something special coming that I can't reveal. I'm actually an NDA about it, but uh, I'm going to be a part of a new project that's going to be reveal. I know they could sue me or fire me if I talk about it, but I have a secret project coming out that's going to be fun. Lock on issue number six, which I wrote for with a cover by the famous character illustrator for the Final Fantasy series is still available. They extended how long you can buy that until February. So please check that out. I interviewed Jasper Byrne from Lone Survivor for that. And also Dan and Jackie, the creators of Trombone Champ. Uh, There's a relatively new Boston's favorite son. I I think it's called Fire Wank with me. And... You've got to get to that boo-boo baby. I do. Well, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Support the show on Patreon. Watch the YouTube videos. Follow me on Twitter at Nontrotsky. And I love you all. I hope to see you back here soon. Happy 2024. Talking to Women About Video Games is hosted by Jonathan and Tanya, with editing and production by Daniel. Music by Jonathan and Daniel. You can support the show and get exclusive bonuses on Patreon at patreon.com slash ttwav. And you can follow us on Blue Sky at ttwav.bsky.social. Thanks for listening.
suddenly got blown. Music sex subject. Naughty boy, young man. Music, sex subject.